Hello, and thank you for joining us today at Friendship Baptist Church, where we listen to Dr. Jeremy McCory and his teaching on the Christmas story, focusing primarily on Jesus' sacrifice that will be coming in Luke chapter 22. Let's go ahead and join Dr. McCory on his teaching today. We'll be in Luke chapter um, 22, and so... Uh, um, We'll be in Luke 22 this morning. As we begin to understand Christmas, you know, we, we have uh, an understanding that the birth of Christ was significant. Uh, the birth of Christ was significant on, on so many different <laughs> levels. Uh, it's significant because... Uh, we understand the birth of Christ to someone who was a virgin, but of course to the line of David, meaning that the, the Isaiah prophecy came true, and throughout time it was told that he would be of that same bloodline. And so throughout time there would be a birth, significant birth, both divine and human, that could feel the hurts and the hang-ups and the habits and things that we have, but could provide a means of escape or provide a means of forgiveness for our sins. And uh, this morning, we are very aching to understand the Lord's Supper as such, that Jesus came to provide a way where there was no way. Uh, Jesus was born in very much a, a lowly manger. He was born in not much pomp and circumstance. He was born in a time and a period to which uh, the local king was not favorable of him. He didn't say, let's come over and let's have potluck at supper and, and, and dine with me. He was a fulfillment of everything that the Israelites had said, the Jewish faith had said. He was a culmination of those things. The king had come. But how many of you have ever seen the coronation of a king like this? Anyone ever seen the coronation of a king to where there's no room for the king? He has to sleep in a place that you and I wouldn't think of, of lodging for the night. He stayed in a place. He was born in such a manner. And I think it helps you and I identify with him, doesn't it? It helps us identify with Jesus Christ who came to this world to be a servant to all to help us in his life resonate with him as the only way to salvation. See, you and I could not do what he could. And many thought that he would be this big leader that would sit on an earthly throne, but thank goodness he was Jesus Christ, Redeemer of humanity. And his throne and his reign is endless. So what Jesus did for us on that, that, that day, that Christmas day, is significant throughout eternity, throughout history, not just for the shepherds and the, and the wise men and all those who were there on that day. But it was significant for you and I as we celebrate today the Lord's Supper. There was an illustration given uh, of, of a pastor preparing for a sermon called Good Things Ahead. It said, when Pastor David Peterson was preparing a sermon, his little daughter came in and asked, Daddy, can we play? I'm awfully sorry, sweetheart, but I'm right in the middle of preparing this sermon. In about an hour, I can play, her dad said. Okay, she said. 
When you're finished, I will give you a great big hug. She went to the door and did a U-turn and came back to her dad and gave him a bone-breaking hug. I just wanted you to know what you have to look forward to, the little girl said. In the same way, God wants us to know through his first coming at Christmas how much we have to look forward to in his great second coming. Christmas served as a grand reminder of Jesus Christ and all that he did. He was not just a baby that was born. He was the Savior of the world, come to redeem all of us, not just those who were of the Jewish faith, but you and I, those that were previously on the outside, are now able to know him as Lord and Savior of all. So very significant that, that he would be the redeemer of all mankind. Can you imagine what Joseph and Mary felt as they heard that he would be Jesus, that he would be the redeemer of all people, that he was a fulfillment of everything that God had said he would be. But in seeing the sacrifice that was going to be made, Jesus proclaimed this act that he was going to have to take. And, and if you think about it like this, could anybody do what Jesus did? Absolutely not. But the reality behind it is, Jesus was willing to do what no one else could. See, he chose to drink of the cup that you and I could not. See, many of us think, well, I can work hard. I'm a good enough person. I, I, I give to all of these efforts. I help when kids go to camp. I, I do all of these things. Certainly, I'm a good person, and that's going to make me in right standing with God. It's only because of what Jesus did that you and I even have an audience with God. You know, how many of you have ever been called into the principal's office? Anybody? Anybody going to be honest? Okay, some of y'all are now starting to lay your hands up. I'm not saying don't, don't, don't just make something up, but... Thank you. Uh, but when you go into the principal's office, what happens? You get spanked? No, but, but you, have to, you have to atone for what you've done, right? You have to give an account for why are you here? And usually there's something that comes after that, which, which meant for me grabbing the back loop on my pants and lifting me up just a little bit and making sure I understood that it wasn't a good thing to come back. But being in the principal's office helps us understand there's a better way. Now, if you know anything about getting in trouble, what was the, what was the second half of that act when you got home? Did you get home? Did you get a hug? I was more scared about what happened when Daddy found out than I was about what happened when I got in trouble at school. And uh, because uh, the one at school maybe had a paddle. Daddy didn't have a paddle. So uh, he usually had a belt. So um, if it was my grandmother, she'd have a, a green switch, uh, fly swatter, wooden spoon. Uh, she had more in her arsenal now that I think about it than he did. But, um, but we were more afraid of what Daddy would say, even though we were getting in trouble over here and being called on it. 
you and I must understand we've got to be more concerned with what the Father in heaven says than what anybody else says around us. We're going to find ourselves in trouble. We're going to find ourselves in need. And I believe God knew that in our lives, each and every one of us. But what did he also know? That Jesus would be a way for redemption. Jesus would be a way where there was no way. And the forgiveness of all mankind would be on him. So let's look at chapter 22. It's in my Bible, the Pew Bible, in front of you on page 1051, if you want to turn there. And it says this, Now the feast of the unleavened bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. The chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they might put him to death. That is Jesus. For they were afraid of the people, and Satan entered into Judas, who was called the Iscariot, belonging to the number of the twelve. And he went away and discussed with the chief priests and the officers how he may betray to them. And so they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he consented and being seeking and began seeking a good opportunity to betray Jesus they, to, to them apart from the crowd. So then on the first day of the unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, so that we may eat. They said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, When you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house he enters, and you shall say to the owner of the house, The teacher says to you, Where is the guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large furnished upper room, prepare it there, and they left and found everything just as he had told them, and they prepared, they prepared the Passover. So, in understanding what the significance of the Passover is, the feast of the Passover, and these secret plans were going on, the, there, was, there was also a time to which it says Satan entered Judas, and then he sought to betray Jesus. Did Jesus know all of these things were going to happen? Yes, he did. He knew the fulfillment of the plan of God meant that he would have to make a sacrifice that no one else could make. That's why I call it a sacrificial birth. He was the birth, the one created of God, born on this earth to be the payment for our sins that we could never be. You and I could not and do, do not have the opportunity to do anything that garners that kind of praise or that kind of adoration or right standing with God. But I fully believe this was done to fulfill the plans of God. And I believe Jesus was to be that willing sacrifice. The Old Testament looks and says, He is the Lamb that was led to slaughter for the sins of all mankind. If you know Old Testament history, you begin to understand that whenever they were seeking a forgiveness or a remission of their sins, they would have two different lambs that were there. One would be sacrificed on that day, and one would be let free. It was significant of the, the, the death of that sin, that forgiveness of sin that would be brought out. In Jesus, he was the human embodiment, the fulfillment of the sacrificial lamb who gave his life for us. So the disciples were bringing about this, yes, this, this meal that's like before us here that we will celebrate today. 
but it very much was symbolic of Jesus Christ, of what would happen in the next coming time. So encountering these evils in our world brings to us a decision to decide who we will follow. Meaning this, when the Bible says that who will we follow, that means who is going to be the Lord this day in our lives. There cannot be two masters, can there? In this day and age, we live in a, 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 a multiple option kind of society. But I want to tell you like this, Jesus is the only way to salvation. And he made a way where there was no way. His birth was significant in that fact. But so much more so, even that, his death was significant of that fact. Because there was nothing ever that would satisfy the wrath of God more so than the death of Jesus Christ. So they gathered together, they prepared this Passover lamb that was to be sacrificed, and they pre prepared this meal that was to be sacrificed, and they went to this person's house, and they prepared all of these things. They gathered together the bread and the wine at the table upstairs, and that would be the last time that Jesus would take that meal with them. And so, we must understand what Jesus symbolically meant in the Passover. Yes, it was a reminder of the Old Testament where death passed over the homes in Egypt, and they put that blood over the door hanging to protect those homes. But this would be a forgiveness of sins once and for all through Jesus Christ. Jesus was condemned. Jesus was beaten for our transgressions. And in him he had not sinned, but he took on the sins of the world. He took on your sin and my sin. Did he deserve it? No. But he willingly said, I'm doing this so that you might have freedom in me and that you might know that the Father loves you and that you might have forgiveness that is never, ever going to end. So Jesus took that scourging for us. He took his own cross. He carried it to that hill called Golgotha. He died on a cross. And now I'm just going to tell you, a, a, a crucifixion was the most horrible form of death in that a person would, would suffocate. They would die on that in such a manner that it was very painful. But we know that Jesus gave his life on that cross. As he said, into your hands I commend my spirit. And then he drew his last breath. That wasn't the end of the story. They put him in a borrowed tomb and then they did what? Three days later he did what? He arose. Three days later, he arose, and he provided for you and I a path to the Father where there was none previously, meaning that you and I don't have to go to anybody. We don't have to go to anyone. We can go straight to Christ and have forgiveness in him. That means that you and I, regardless of where we have been and the road that gathered us here, we can find forgiveness in him and him alone. So the Passover meal, the bread, and the, the body of Christ, and the wine and the blood of Christ that was shed for our sins, 
is very much symbolic of what we understand as we celebrate the ordinances, which is what this is called, the Lord's Supper. And so we, we understand also of the things to come. Jesus in the Lord's Supper was telling them what? He said, I am going to do these things for you. And I don't know that his disciples fully got everything. And if you read the Bible, how many of you really understand that his disciples weren't the brightest bulb in the pack all the time? They asked questions like, can I be greater? Can I sit next to you? Can I do all of these other things? They were missing it. They were missing a lot of things. But he was trying to tell them, look, I am going to die for you. And you're going to have life. And so as he had this time at the Passover, this time in this meal, he was talking of things that were about to come. He was talking of a time to which was being prepared for even before they were even born. Before they were called as disciples, the Old Testament is rich in knowledge and understanding of this, this Christ child that would come, that would be the Redeemer of mankind. Emmanuel, God with us. This was significant, y'all. And I pray that on today it's significant in your life too. And so as he, as he sat around that table, it says, When the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I say to you, I shall never eat of it again until it's fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I say to you, I will not drink of the vine, and now on until the kingdom comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given to you. Do this and remember it from me. And in the same way, he took the cup that they had eaten, saying, This is the cup poured out for you, the, the new covenant, my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is with mine on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as has been determined. But woe to that man who is betrayed. He is betrayed. And he began to discuss among themselves, they began to discuss among themselves which one it might be who was going to do this thing. So the disciples, what were they worried about? They were worried about themselves, weren't they? They were saying, is it you? Is it you? Is it you? Is it you that's going to betray me? You know, is going to betray Jesus? Is it you that's going to do this such a thing? Certainly not me. Certainly not me. But they didn't understand that Jesus was right there in their midst, and he was going to do something that nobody else could. And we live in a world where we can get so wrapped up in those things, can't we? Who's doing this? Who's doing that? What's going on over here? How's this going? How's that going? How's this going? We can get so wrapped up in what do people think instead of saying, what does he think of me? Do I know Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Do I have an understanding that I have an opportunity for forgiveness for all that I have done. And many of us might think that what we have done could absolutely 100% never be forgiven. But I'm telling you, Jesus made a road, a way where there was no way. And it's not because of what we did, it's because of who He is. And God's love can cover a multitude of sins, can it? God is more than able to forgive us. In his sacrifice, he saw us and knew in our heart of hearts that the Father had gathered him for such a time as that. 
There's, there's an understanding Max Lucado gives in A Gentle Thunder. It's a book he wrote in 1995. It says, There are many reasons God saves you. To bring glory to Himself, to appease His justice, to demonstrate His sovereignty. But one of the sweetest reasons God saved you is because He is fond of you. He likes having you around. He thinks you're the best thing to come down the pike in quite a while. If God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. If He had a wallet, your photo would be in it. He sends you flowers every spring and a sunrise every morning. Whenever you want to talk, He'll listen. He can live anywhere in the universe, and yet He chose your heart. And the Christmas gift He sent to you in Bethlehem? Face it, friend, He's crazy about you. I want you to think about those words. I want you to think about the sacrifice of a king. I want you to think about everything that Jesus is. We celebrate Christmas, and we celebrate the birth of a child. God with us. But it was so much more when we understand that that child in a lowly manger came for the redemption of all mankind. That meant that you and me can call on Jesus, He hears us, and He can forgive us. Now you might recollect what you've done, and that keeps us in the understanding of we don't want to go there anymore in our past and our sinfulness. That makes us understand that we want to live better for the future because Christ in us is greater than anything we face ahead of us. So I want you to think about that this morning as we come to a time of response, of invitation. Where does Christ have you this Christmas? As you understand that He was born, that He lived and He died for your redemption, do you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? And understand when I ask that, I'm not saying do you know about Him because we live in a society where everybody knows it's Christmas. But we don't understand, many of us, Christ. So I want you to understand, you individually, do you know Jesus Christ? And better yet, does He know you? Are you one who has called on His name for the forgiveness of your sins, that you've said without a shadow of a doubt that when you were at your worst, Jesus, you still died for me. And because you died for me, I am now alive in Him. The only way we will ever be forgiven once and for all is through Jesus Christ. Scripture tells us that He is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man goes to the Father, God, except through Him. And so many of you had different roads that brought you here, and maybe you feel like you're broken into a thousand pieces. But I'm telling you, the only way you will ever be whole again is in Christ. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me this morning. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to have a moment of response. Father God, we come this morning, and this moment we have. God, we, we pray that this Christmas is significant for us as we remember the birth as we remember the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How significant it is to us that He came to get messy, meaning that it wasn't a clean deal. As Jesus took on my sin, as He took on our sin, He gave us forgiveness and a path that we could not do on our own.
But it was God's love that told us in His sacrifice that we could be free in Him. Heavenly Father, we're reminded when He has set us free, then we are truly free. That no longer the sin debt that hangs over us or hung over us for so long, no longer does it hang there. We are given freedom and washed white as snow. Scripture says being born again in Him. So, Father God, as we symbolically understand Christmas, as we believe and understand that you are the way, the only way, Heavenly Father, we open up the altar in these moments to come to you. It's in your name we pray this morning. Amen. Thank you for joining us today at Friendship Baptist Church. We hope to bring you more messages from Dr. McCory along with others. So please subscribe and share with a friend. Have a blessed day.